fifth chapter of Proverbs, I'm going to draw from the 15th verse. I'm going to read one verse out of this chapter, if we may, this morning, and then you can be seated. Thank you for your worship. It feels so much better in here to me right now. I like what I feel. Amen. Amen. Welcome home, Sister Liz. Good to see you today. Amen. I don't know what's up with these kooks leaving Florida to come up here to cold weather, but I mean, good grief. We gave you all a chance to get old and retire. (laughs) It's Tucker's fault. Blame the grandkids. Amen. Five and 15, if you would say amen. Amen. Drink waters out of thine own cistern and running waters out of thine own well. Drink waters out of thine own cistern and running waters out of thine own well. And let us say amen to the reading of the word. Lord bless you. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor today and tell them, drink your own water. Praise God. Now this is... uh, In America, I don't know how big of a deal it is around the world, Um, but everybody gets googly-eyed the 14th of February, and chocolate companies make a bunch of money, and people sell a lot of cards. They take $10 worth of roses and quadruple the price of them, and then you come home and bring them, and everybody's happy. So... Uh, it's a crazy time of year when people kind of treat their love like they should have treated them 364 other days. And uh, it's, a, it's a funny, funny time. But uh, this time of year is bitter for some people because... It reminds them of a season of hurt in their life or something that they've been through or pain that they've been in. And we don't really realize how many people are hurting and broken. And the family unit has been attacked since the very beginning of creation that God knew what he could do through godly people. And the enemy knew what he could do with godly people. And uh, so he uses tactics to bring separation and division. And honestly, it's the same old lie that continues today. That there is greener grass somewhere else. And that the lawn looks better somewhere else. And that there is someplace else you can go to find more happiness. And so, for all of you relationship people on Sunday morning, V-Day, I want to tell you, you need to cut your own grass. You need to water your own lawn. You need to worry about your own family. And if, if you don't have one, uh, don't have a husband or a wife, and you are a young person, And you think that the only way you're ever going to get green grass is to get somebody else. That's not going to fix any problems in your life. 
Amen. You're going to have to cut your own grass. Water your own lawn. Because it doesn't fix anything that's wrong and broke in your life to invite somebody else into that mess. And try to make it better. Now, I know we're mixed company here today. But we got to be very careful. Because we got people getting married for the wrong reasons. And the truth is, getting married for sexual pleasure is like buying a 747 for peanuts. That's an airplane for those of you that are wondering what a 747 is. It's like I'm going to buy a jetliner so that I can get somebody to give me peanuts and a water. The whole purpose of the plane is not the peanuts and the Coca-Cola. It's a vehicle to move us to another destination. And it's got to be in a God-ordained way, listen to me, or not at all. It's got to be in a God-blessed way or not at all. We don't believe on Valentine's Day in the Flirt to Convert program. I wish I knew how many times I've heard it in my lifetime of ministry. This is different. They promised me they'd come to church. If I'd date them, well, if you got to drag them now, you're going to have to drag them then. And a piece of paper is not going to change anything that's wrong with your life or their life or any other problems. If you've got issues, you're going to have issues then. And I would dare say the number one problem with relationships in this society is not relationships. It's people. And where there are people, there are problems. And where there are people, there is aberration, vacillation, and changing, and manipulation, and lying. And it's just fundamentally a part of who we are. And you're going to fight that part of your life until the day that you die. Nobody taught you to lie about the cookie jar. It was your nature. And even if your mother walked in and you had cookies in your mouth, you still shook your head no when she said, did you get in the cookies? No. And we all know nobody taught you how to do that. Now, this chapter that I'm reading to you from, in Proverbs, the fifth chapter, we read one verse. But the context of the chapter is actually dealing with the lips of a strange woman. I bet you're wondering where in the world I'm going right now. The lips of a strange woman. I'm glad I've got one woman that's not strange and God gave me her lips. Praise God. You are a strange woman, but you're not that kind of a strange woman. She said, I'm a strange woman. I didn't just so you, I didn't say that. She said I'm strange. If anybody saw her, she, did you see it? She said it. She said I'm strange. I just agreed. The lips of a strange woman. It's a powerful pull in the life of humanity that does not make you some kind of anomaly or abnormal person. Because temptation is in your life. It is an issue that flows from the hearts of mankind. 
that from the very beginning of creation, man could not fix their gaze on the blessing of the Lord. They fixed their gaze on the one thing that God said, leave it alone. And it's the the turmoil that's always within us. It is the fight of our life to keep our eyes on the prize and to keep the main thing the main thing. But the wise man Solomon said, you need to drink water from your own cistern. The cistern was a holding place that when the rain would come, it wasn't like a well. It was a gathering place that when the rains came, it was somewhere on your property that storms were invested in your place. And when the rain came, it collected at your house. And if your cistern would not hold water, and I'm preaching right now, so don't miss this like it's an introduction right here. If your cistern don't hold water, it's not your neighbor's fault. Oh, I can't hardly hear y'all are clapping so loud. Your cistern is the system that you're invested in. It's the system that you have taken the time to develop and be certain that in a dry season, your cistern will hold water. And you can't be mad at your neighbor who has a plenteous supply of water And yours has soaked back into the earth because you have not maintained the cistern in your own life. Woo, you may be seated. Where are you going, Pastor? Well, I'm just kind of using this for a special day today because I I wanted to kind of fit in just a little bit. Brother Jordan preached, will you be mine? So I just want to fit in today and I just want to tell you that we need to be invested in what God has given us. And we need to be sure that we're taking care of what God has given us. But I'm really not here today to just preach to husbands and wives about their relationship. I'm here today to preach to the betrothed. Yes, I could spend some time today teaching on relationship, but I want to shift a gear today, and I want to tell you that if you'll focus on this relationship, then you won't have a problem with your other relationships. I want to tell you right now that we can spend days and thousands of dollars on conferences on how to build our marriages, but I can fix I believe in just a few moments of conversation, the issues in the marriage when I sit down with you and say, how much time you spent in prayer this week? How much time have y'all spent talking without phones on at the table? And then questions start becoming answered and, and, and answers become very clear. That if your dinners and your time together with your family is wrapped up in Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, what you're doing is looking at fantasy while you're sitting in reality. And you don't realize what kind of toll it plays 
on your mind to sit at the dinner table with your wife or your husband and look at somebody else's wife or their husband and think, man, their life's better. I wish we had what they have. I wish we drove what they drove. I wish we lived in what they lived in. I wish my husband could buy me that dress. And we wrap ourselves up in a world that's really not real. It's a filtered world. It's a fake world. It's a fraud world. It doesn't really exist. It's not reality. Yet we allow the enemy to steal the joy that many people getting baptized in Jesus' name. And we don't have that many people in church on Sunday. Hey, let me tell you right now, you got to grow where God's planted you. You got to get some roots where God has planted you today. I feel like telling somebody in this house, we got to drink our own water. There is a issue that comes from the heart of man. That you can be riding in your own car and drive past a model that's the same as your vehicle that's, but, but it's a few years newer. And you were just thankful for yours when it started and you drove it. But now you're unthankful because theirs is newer. Man, I'm telling you, Bishop, it's tight as a banjo up in here. It felt good while y'all were worshiping a while ago. Isn't this something how that works? Do you know what the greatest thing in the world you can use to fight a spirit of unrest and dissatisfaction in your life? Do you know the greatest weapon you have to fight discontentment? Thankfulness. Thankfulness. A thankful heart will bless your life like nothing else can bless your life. Instead of looking to the next season all the time, what's coming next? What's coming next? What happens next? What's the next mile marker? What's the next thing? It's like we're so excited about the destination that we don't enjoy the journey. This may not be what y'all expected on a Sunday morning. When I started flying, I couldn't wait to get every hour I could get. I couldn't wait to start crossing milestones, get my first hundred hours. And man, it's just awesome. You know, you, you get in the airplane, you spend all that time going around the pattern, and you dream, someday I'm going to get in an airplane and go somewhere. And then you start traveling. And I was uh, delivering an airplane out west from Florida. And man, we're, just, we're flying along. And that night flew into Dallas, Texas, got up the next morning. Flew out from Dallas, and it was a, uh, it wasn't dangerous at all. That's not what I mean, but it was a, a stressful departure. When we left Addison Airport that morning, me and the pilot that I was flying with, we didn't file for instrument because we didn't think that it was instrument weather. And when we climbed out, it was pretty bad. So we're, we're flying out of a busy airspace, and, and we're trying to pick up a, a, a pop-up instrument clearance because we're in the clouds I'm trying to stay out of the clouds because it's illegal so we're running across Dallas, Texas and I'm thinking oh Lord what in the world 
And I'm, I'm stressed, not stressed in a bad way, but I'm just kind of stressed out, you know, like, oh, my goodness, man, we got so many things going on here, trying to fly. You got the radios, I got the plane, we got the autopilot, we're doing, you know, we're on and on and on and on. And I started kind of feeling that stress building up, like, started to feel more like work. And I felt that voice say, you ask for this, dummy. Yeah. <laughs> and we're, we're flying along there, we're talking to air traffic control, and we're like, yeah, this is such and such, Alpha Charlie, whatever it was. I don't remember the call number. We're like, like to pick up a pop-up clearance. They're like, stand by. Like, how do you stand by, you big dummy? We're flying along at 250 mile an hour over the ground, and you're telling me stand by. How do I stand by? I got places to go. I got things to see. I got planes to deliver. I want to get home to mama. And it's like. Just get me out. Let's go. Let's make this happen. Let's climb up. We want our altitude. I just took a big, deep breath, and I was like, I'm going to enjoy the ride. I'm flying an airplane I can't afford. I'm flying it on fuel that I didn't pay for. I'm getting tired. And I started enjoying it. And you know what? It's just a few minutes. They came back, whatever it was, Charlie Foxtrot, climb up to so-and-so, maintain 10,000, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, hallelujah. And we poured the coal to it, climbed up. And all those clouds, those dark clouds that were hanging over Dallas, it took us about four and a half, five minutes. And all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa. We come through those clouds, got our instrument clearance, popped up on the top, and the sun was shining. And it wasn't too, I mean, I'm talking about like from where we were flying, I looked off in the distance, and I could see the edge of that front that had moved in over down. I could see the edge of it. We wouldn't have even needed the clearance, but we climbed up above it, and I could see the end that I could not see from where I was. All of a sudden, it looked a little bit different because I said, I'm going to enjoy the time that I'm here right now. And when you adjust your perception and you start looking from a different direction, all of a sudden you realize you're in the middle of the blessing that you asked for. Now quit trying to get out of it. You get a home and you're sitting in your house and you get your house just the way you want it and you go visit your friends for dinner. And it looks like Pinterest has puked in their house. And you come home and your wife is like, look at this. Did you like their table? No. It's the ugliest table I've ever seen in my life. What do you like? I like our table. Why do you like our table? Because it's paid for. Oh, my, my. You may have to protect me today, Bishop. I'm getting some nasty looks from women right now. <laughs> Woo! I like their front door. I like my front door. <laughs> I think that wood floor they had looked really nice. Yeah. I think Brother Sawyer did a good job on my floor. And she likes it. She just griped about all the, the, the salt on it this week. So if you don't mind, Brother Sorry, could you come show me how to run a mop? I know she's probably got you trained to do it, right? Yeah. Listen, what I'm saying to you is that contentment is good for us. But the way to truly be content is to become thankful with the blessings of the Lord that are in your life right now. 
Stop trying to get to the destination because when you finally get to whatever you think your destination is, all you're going to have is memories of looking back, always wishing you could go back, but while you're here, you're always wishing you could go ahead. I know you guys don't believe this because I look like I'm 18. But 21's a rough, this is a rough year for me. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. Whew. I'm struggling this year. Because, I mean, it's better than the alternative. But Bishop, I'm struggling with 40. And you should be too, that you have two kids that are over 40. He's like, let's play softball. <laughs> it's like, I remember when I was a young, a young preacher, Brother Lang, and I, I, I would, maybe I shouldn't say this stuff, I don't know, but I would think, you know, I'd be 18, 19 years old, go preach places, and I'd be preaching conferences with men that I admired and respected and older men of God sharing camp meeting platforms with Men of God that I respected. And I, I would remember standing by those men, you know, trying to just look, look good and smiling. I'm thinking, God, have mercy, I'm an idiot. I can't wait until I can have the respect that these godly men have. And, you know, you, you look at and they were old 40-year-old men. I'm like, man, someday, someday, I'm going to have a wife and 14 kids. And we got start on it. But when Jocelyn got here, we were like, no more. <laughs> I really, I'm, just, I'm sorry, I'm in a crazy mood this morning. It really had nothing to do with her. My wife was like, I'm getting too old for this. And I'm like, you are. You really are. And, I mean, so I started buying stock in Geritol. So what I'm saying to you is that I remember being a young preacher longing for the days that I felt different. And now, I don't feel any different. I still feel like I'm learning. I still feel like i got to work. It's not like you finally get to the place where you can pray a little less. And you can fast a little less. And you can study a little less because you've learned everything that there is to learn. And it's because people continually evolve and change. And I'm not talking about evolution either. I'm talking about people continually evolve and change. And I'm dealing with things that Bishop didn't have to deal with and he dealt with things that Bishop Bingham didn't have to deal with and he dealt with things that my great grandfather didn't have to deal with. It's a different day and a different age. I mean, who in the world would have ever thought when uh, Ruth Bingham 
was pastoring in Dyersburg, Tennessee, that we would have the epidemic that we have today of sin in people's lives and that it's just so accessible. And you can get whatever you want, however you want it to. And you know, Back then it was a different time. And he sat down with the young men, with Max L and with R.B., and he said to them, boys, there's going to come a day that you're going to deal with things that I've never had to deal with. And they thought, oh, the old man's just talking. But if we're not careful, I want to tell you all something. If we're not careful, we're going to get so lost in the moment where we are as the church. We're down here saying, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Get us out of here. Get the rapture happening. And the Lord's saying, nope. We're just begging the Lord to come back. And he's saying, what about revival? What about harvest? Now, maybe y'all think I'm crazy because I do want to go to heaven and I can't wait until we go. But I told somebody the other day, I said, I'm ready for the Lord to come back if he's ready to come back. I said, but to be really honest with you, I don't feel like I've fulfilled what I want to see yet. I'm just I'm being honest with you. I do not believe that 2020 is going to be the last thing that God wants us to see before it's coming. Our mission field shut down. People struggling to keep their church doors open. Not know that's not how the church is going out. If you believe that, you've lost your mind. I believe we're going out in harvest. I believe we're going out in power. I believe we're going out in authority. I believe when the Lord comes back, he's going to come back for a church that's working while he's coming back. I don't believe he's coming back for a church that's sitting down, rocking back and forth, saying, please, 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 come get us out of here, Daddy. Please get this trouble off of us. No, no. I believe he's coming back for a church that squares your shoulders up and says, let the trouble come if the trouble's going to come. But we're not going to quit preaching, and we're not going to quit believing, and we're not going to quit working. We're going to occupy until he comes. I'm sorry if this is abrasive or offensive to people. But I want to tell y'all something this morning. I am not jealous of what's happening in the charismatic church world. I'm not. I am not at all uncomfortable with what's going on. In the church world. Because not everything is as it seems. And it doesn't give me the feeling at all. That because they're having prosperity. That they're having end time revival. Now again I don't want this to hurt anybody's feelings. But either you believe that there is an elect of God. A remnant of church, truth, power, passion, or you don't. And I don't believe that God reserved the end time revival for people that refuse to love truth. I'm not worried about people that have left the apostolic doctrine and it looked like they're prospering. God didn't save revival for them. He said I saved it for my very elect's sake. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying to you that compromise is not the answer. I'm not going to drink from somebody else's cistern. I'm going to keep the cistern of the apostolic movement well, and we're going to drink our own water. 
We've got to drink our own water. We've got to be sure that when winds of false doctrine come in and blow debris against our cistern and try to knock holes in our cistern and the earth tries to swallow up our cistern and it cannot hold water that it is our number one priority to be sure that our cistern is taken care of so that when a thirsty world comes to get a drink in a dry time you know why pastor felt so impressed to keep the doors open in 2020 in this church when we open the doors back up it's because I want people to find a place in a dry season where they can come and get a drink of water. I refuse to be a dry place in a dry season. It sounds big. It sounds tough. It sounds, oh, whoa, we got big time going. Listen, I'm going to tell you all something right now. God's not looking for people that can talk a big talk. But I I was very disheartened when I found out that 2020 is all it took to shut some people down. Everybody was talking about frontline workers and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, we had them. But our frontline workers were like, we want to be in church. I started talking to our nurses and medical professionals and saying, Man, what do y'all think? They're like, I think it's time to be in the house of God. You want to listen to science, listen to somebody that knows there's power in the blood. I've come to tell y'all today it may not be popular, but there's still more power in the blood than there will ever be in pandemic. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the blood of Jesus. And we're going to drink from that cistern. We're going to be sure it's a steady place. I was talking to a man this week. They had someone that was connected to their church that had passed away. And they had this terrible uh, virus on their death certificate. I don't. I didn't ask anything. Just, just said what happened. They said they said it was COVID. And uh, so immediately, uh, you know, I start kind of, oh God, what's going to go on with that? And I said, well, they haven't been to church in months and months and months and months and months. They were afraid to come to church, but went to a a, a car repair garage. They were sitting in there drinking coffee, talking to people at the car repair shop. Folks, listen, I'm not trying to be insensitive. But I'm just telling you what my grandfather told me. When this whole thing started, I said, Papa, if you want to stay home, I understand. I looked at my grandmother who's here today and I said, Mama, if y'all want to stay home, I understand. And I'm going to tell you the same thing that they told me. First of all, they said church ain't the only place you can get it. And the second thing they said is if God's done with me, then I'll get it and I'll die with it. But if God's not done with me and he comes back, I want him to find me in the house of the Lord. 
If I'm lying, I'm dying. The woman just told me the other day, she said, I'm going to be in the house of the Lord every time I can be in the house of the Lord. We're going to drink water from our own sister. These are tough times. But if we're going to have revival, we had not seen nothing yet. We think we're exempt as a North American church. We're not. We're going to see some things in the days to come. But where there is great risk, there is great reward. And I want you to know right now, I'm not in a hurry to go anywhere. I want to see my three babies do well. I want to see them prosper with good health in the earth. I want to see my beautiful wife be healthy and prosper in the earth. But when the Lord is finished with you, the Lord is finished with you. When you have served your time, then your time is up. I don't want to lose one more saint to the grave between now and the coming of the Lord. But at some point in your life, you've got to trust in the will of God and say, if that's the will of God, then that's the will of God. Is this too hard for a Sunday morning? Yeah, but pastor, if something happens, I feel like we're losing. Then you tell the apostles that that gave their life. You really think John felt like he was losing on the Isle of Patmos when he was banished to an island, but he looked up in the heavens and God in the spirit on the Lord's day? God can show us more revelation in the end time church than we've ever dreamed. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying thirsty people are going to drink somewhere. And in my opinion, they might as well drink at FPC. And furthermore, if you're not drinking in the house of the Lord, you're drinking from somebody's cistern. And you can usually tell what it is they're drinking because it'll be full of fear. And anxiety. This is probably not a popular Sunday morning message. What are we going to do, man? What are we going to do? I don't know. But I've got guys that, were, that, that I'm, I'm aware of, and I've never hurt anybody publicly or anything like that. I'm just telling you. Guys that closed the doors of their church and had packed their family up, went on vacation to Florida and been doing their devotions from a hotel in Florida. Scared death to have church. We'll set up our phone and do it from the ocean. I think that's a good idea. Maybe I'm not going to talk about this. What was that, Lord? The Lord said, Behold, if thou goest unto Hawaii... Thou shalt quarantine for 14 days. What do you think, Brother Jim? I'm just saying to you, church family, that the enemy, listen to Pastor today when I tell you, he's tried to steal our refreshing water. But we've made up in our minds before the storms ever came. That we are going to be a place 
where hungry souls can be fed and thirsty souls can find a drink. I know you may not believe me when I tell you this, but it's in the Bible and I'm getting ready to preach it to you. The closer we get to the coming of the Lord, it is of the utmost and paramount importance to be sure that this cistern is taken care of and that there is a refreshing drink of water in this house. And what we found out early in the panic of the world is that it was also important to be sure that your individual cistern was full of water. Because we found out that church was the only thing keeping some people patched up. And they had a slow leak and got just enough water on Sunday to keep them till Wednesday. And just enough on Wednesday to keep them till Sunday. And if they got a real good drink, they could wait till next weekend. But when we went 53 days, y'all hear me? We went 53 days and some dry people came dragging back in here. We had some people drag in here after 53 days that I wasn't sure, Bishop, if they were going to stay around. Because the enemy starts to working and picking and messing with your mind and messing with your emotions. I told my family early on when we weren't together, I said, man, this is the dumbest time in the world to backslide. And then people started getting in a cold state and backslide. I'm, I'm going to take a break from God. No! Whatever you do, stay ready. Well, I'm frustrated. Stay ready. I'm upset. Stay ready. People hurt my feelings. Well, they're not going to stand with you on judgment day. Forgive me if I sound like I'm being mean today. I'm not. But get over it and get your heart right with God. The book of Matthew chapter 25, we find a story that sounds all too familiar to me right now. Matthew chapter 25, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. How many of y'all plan on going to meet the bridegroom? Huh. Man, I hope there's more going than that. We're going to be here all day. Can I ask that one more time? How many of y'all want to meet the bridegroom? Woo, thank God. I was figuring out how in the world to write that resignation letter and get a preacher in here that could get y'all ready for heaven. Ten virgins. Let me ask y'all a question. Was there purity in question? So then it wouldn't be a flex or a bend for us to say, if this is a picture of the church, they were holy people. They understood standards of separation. They understood purity. They were pure people. Go ahead, brother. Five of them were not only pure, but they were wise. And the other five were pure. See, we're too busy comparing the church and the world. There's no comparison. These were all people going to meet the bridegroom. The only difference was their wisdom. What are you saying, Pastor? If y'all need me to break it down Gerber style, I'll say it. 
I'm going to tell you all right now. There's going to be people that dress right and look right that's going to miss heaven. They're going to be surprised out of their mind that they sat on a church pew for years and years and years and years and years. But when the coming of the Lord happens, there was no water in their cistern. I'm talking about places, Bishop, that can still have good church. They can dance and shout and kick and huck a buck and scream till their throats are sore and dance and shout until they're hurting and their legs are sore on Monday. And when the Lord comes back, there was no depth at all. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying you can learn the right things to say and the right songs to sing and the right way to put it. Forgive me if this sounds like I'm being carnal, but y'all hear, Pastor, when I tell you that after doing this for 20 526, whatever it is, years, I can go to a certain level in preaching if you want entertainment preaching. And in about 10 minutes from right now, if we really wanted it to, I could have every one of you standing up, clapping, jumping, getting happy. All you got to do is just push people a little bit. You can get the atmosphere just right. That's not what we're looking for. Our goal is not a shout down every Sunday night. Help me, Brother Lang. I thank God when the Holy Ghost moves and we huck a buck. And I think we need that. My friend, Brother Tuttle, said the other day, he said, forget that mess. He said, I had to prepare. He said, I studied and talked to God. God gave me a word. He said, I, my people have an understanding now. He said, they can just dance and shout as long as they want to. But when they're through dancing, I'm preaching. That's, that's where me and you is different. Because I might, but I might not. That ain't going to get mold on it, Josh. I'll preach it next Sunday. Praise God. Listen to what I'm telling you. Our goal cannot be emotionalism. Our goal cannot be exhilaration. We're excited. The bridegroom's coming. We're excited. We're excited. And the night grows dark and your lamp goes out. So you start walking to other people that have a little wisdom and say, can I borrow some of yours? And all of a sudden comes the call. Behold! The bridegroom cometh. Go out to meet him. Here's the part of the story. I told you I like to get in there and walk around. Here's the difference that you see in the story. The reason they were called foolish is that the night was so dark when it came time to meet the bridegroom, they couldn't see to get there. You cannot depend on the lamp of your neighbor to get you to the meeting with the bridegroom. I'm thinking right now would be a good time to kick that part in about getting you to dance and shout a little bit. Understand this preacher when I tell you this morning that I don't ever want us to be guilty in this local assembly of getting to the place where we let somebody else keep our lamp trimmed and burning. Listen to pastor, I'm reaching for you today. There's somebody in here who's going out to meet the bridegroom with us. But the Lord sent me on this Sunday morning to tell you, I can't fill your lamp with oil. There are people, and this breaks my heart, 
under the sound of my voice right now in this building that if the Lord were to come right this minute, you wouldn't go. Right now. We've had song service. We've had great, great worship moving in here, the presence of God. And somebody's going to walk out of here lost today. Because we always think there will be next Sunday. Because we always think there will be next Wednesday. I'm reaching for somebody hard this morning. I'm telling you, all I got to rocking in this this morning at about 530 I was rocking back and forth, rolling in my bed. I couldn't find rest for my mind. I'm reaching for somebody in this house this morning that's got cold in your spirit. And when people shake your hand, they can't tell because you've got a smile on your face. But if the trumpet were to sound today, you'd be lost without God for all eternity. You better make sure there's water to drink in your own cistern today. You better be sure that there is oil in your lamp today. There is nothing in this world that's worth being lost for eternity over some would say it's scare tactics some would say it's fear mongering I'm going to tell y'all how I feel about it and I felt this way all my life I think my mother and dad could testify to this I don't care what you got to do if you got to scare me to death then scare me to death and me be ready to go. I believe it's a shame that we've got to preach about hell to make people want heaven. But could somebody tell me another alternative? I preached too many funerals of people that said they had tomorrow. Been to services of people who said, someday, I'll get it right. I stood with grieving families of people who'd look me in the eyes and say, Pastor, I sure hope they got it right with God. I do too. But sadly, Bishop, you and I can't, we can't fix that part. If there's anybody in the world that would, I'd give, man, I'd give anything I could. I'd do anything I had to do to be sure that you're ready to go. But you got to drink your own water. You got to be sure this morning that you're ready to meet the Lord. Now, there's people that would disagree with what I'm telling you right now. And that's okay if they disagree with me. That's all right. It doesn't make them bad people. Maybe wrong, but not bad. I'll tell you something. I don't think you can be saved. I don't. Now, I'm not talking about people that are shut in and can't make it. I'm talking about if you can make it, you're well able in your body to be in the house of the Lord. I don't believe you can be saved and be unfaithful. I say amen or owe me. I'm not talking about vacations. I'm not talking about enjoying your life. I'm not talking about, no, no, no. I don't believe you can be saved and be unfaithful. 
I just don't. I don't believe that if God gave us opportunities to worship and we disregarded those opportunities and just said, I'll go later. My question for you on this Sunday morning is what are you going to do when you're so dry and thirsty that you're longing for a drink? But when you go to the cistern, oh God, can you imagine that sound, that hollow sound that it makes? You can tell the difference in a vessel that's full. When you knock on it, it's got that dense echo, pong, pong. And then you hit that empty cistern, it's whoa, whoa. I'm preaching to some, some people in here today that while I'm preaching to you, the words I'm saying are echoing off the walls of your cistern. And I'm praying that before we're done, and I'm, I'm about finished today, but I'm praying that before we're finished, that a drink from heaven would come down to where you are and fix the brokenness that's in your life. I need you to be full of the Holy Ghost before you leave this place today. The musicians are welcome to come if they want to come. But I'm praying today that God would fill you up so full of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, church, it is too late to run out of water. This This is not popular preaching. Please understand that I haven't come here today to sound dictatorial. I haven't come here today to sound mean. I haven't come here today to be intentionally abrasive. But I've come to make somebody uncomfortable with where you are right now and tell you there's never been a better time to get right with God than right now. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name or filled with the Holy Ghost, there's never been a better time than right now. You got to get your heart right with God. If you hadn't prayed through in a long time, I believe I'd find me a place this morning and pray until I spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. If you can hear what I'm preaching this morning and it doesn't move your soul, then do pastor a favor and please seek God on my behalf just for me. Seek God one more time today and say, Lord, if you were reaching for me but I was too cold to feel it, would you reach down and touch me right now? Come on, I'm asking you to make a move right now in the Holy Ghost. Don't just sit and look at God and say, okay, if he wants me, he'll come get me. God sent a messenger to come get you today. I'm reaching for you in the Holy Ghost. Oh, God. You're in the house today. Your purity's not in question. But I ask you, is your lamp full?